Well, good morning. Good morning. Go ahead and shake your neighbor. Say, wake up. Say, don't recline today. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, we are glad that you're here this morning. Any college students out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conference is coming up for you guys. Get signed up. You can sign up at our purple table right after service. So we're excited about that. How many would consider themselves blessed this morning? A lot of us, right? How many of you would like to be more blessed? Anybody wants to be more blessed? Oh, wow, only half y'all want to be more blessed. You're like, ooh, too much blessing. Can't handle it. Can't handle it. Well, man, I, I, that's what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. We're starting a series called The Blessed Life and talking about really how you can be more blessed. In fact, Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So how are you blessed? You have to give. give. You have to give. If you give, you are blessed. My wife and I, we love giving. We love giving. We love randomly, spontaneously, anonymously giving. Does anybody love that? Does he, do you love when you get anonymously given to? I was at the restaurant the other day. And I was sitting there, we're eating, having a great time. And I was waiting on the check, and the check never came. Finally, I said, hey, where's our check? And the waiter said, it's been taken care of. Don't you love when that happens? It was like, what? It's been taken care of? We're so blessed, babe. People really love us. But how do you know that we were blessed, but who is really more blessed in that moment? The person given. The person given is actually the one who was more blessed in that moment. And if you don't think that's true, then I hope by the end of this series, I really hope, my desire is that you would come to a revelation that it is a blessing when you give. A heart of generosity is the key to a blessed life. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says this. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A man gives freely and gets more? That sounds like an oxymoron, right? That, that doesn't make sense. What, that does not make sense. In fact, it's a principle of God that exists. As we give, we get more, more abundantly. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 talks about the blessings that you get as you give. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion or under manipulation. Amen. For God loves a cheerful, cheerful, the Greek word, hilarious giver. Hilarious. They've been laughing as they go to the time the offering box. Oh, they love giving this. <laughs> I'm the only one. In fact, I've never done that. I've never done that. Confession. I, I think probably we could grow in that moment as we give. So if somebody busts out laughing by the time an offering box, just know that they're happy today, that they're excited about giving. It's biblical, right? 
But what is the blessed life of giving like that? Giving cheerfully, giving hilariously, giving like this, giving out of out of giving out of your wealth. What is that life? Well, the blessed life is this in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace. Everybody say all. All grace abound to you so that in all things, everybody say all. all. At all times, everybody say all. all. You're doing a really bad job of saying all. Having all that you need. One last time. All. You will abound in every good work. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When we first moved to San Antonio, the hill country, we noticed that blue bonnets were everywhere. Don't you love like March and April and the blue bonnets come out for three weeks? It's like God's grace. It's like a, a, a moment of grace for three weeks. These blue bonnets come up and then they're gone. So we decided we wanted to have that moment in our backyard. We had these blue bonnet seeds and we were really excited about going to planter and we planted them and you plant them in the winter. And they'll, they'll spring up by spring, right? Is that what happens? And so we planted them, and man, we were excited. It was April, and here comes our, like, four blue bonnet plants. It was nothing, man. We're like, they're really pretty, but it would have been a lot better if we sowed maybe a little bit more seed. Wouldn't it have? And that's really what the farmer knows. The, the more you sow, the more you'll receive. The more you plant. And so the, the farmer's out there and he is, he is laboring. He's tilling the ground and he's dropping as many seed as possible before it's time for the seeds to germinate. And so that's what the farmer does. And when you do that, you begin to reap a harvest. It is plentiful and bountiful and I can't wait till we sow more seeds in our little blue bonnet garden. Because right now it's not a garden. It's just like a blue bonnet plant. So we're really hoping for that. So the question I have for you, and the question that you may be asking, is why aren't people more blessed? Why aren't people more blessed? Well, there's really three mindsets I want to talk about when it comes to giving. The first one is the bag. Everybody say, the bag. Not enough. It's just not enough. The people who have the bag live with this scarcity mindset. They, they have the bag and, and they try to put whatever they can in it, but when they do, it's just never enough. And maybe you've been in this situation. I find myself oftentimes in this situation. The transmission goes out. And then the motor goes out. And then the wheels fall off. And I don't have a car. Anybody else like that? Month to month, you're worrying about how am I going to pay the bills? Where is it going to come from? How am I going to have enough? The people with that mindset have a bag mindset. In Haggai 1.6, it says this. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. It's a scarcity thing, and I grew up in this lifestyle of scarcity. There was three brothers, and, and my mom and dad worked really hard to fill the pantry, but it seemed like whatever was in the pantry quickly left. You know what I mean? It's like, here comes the double stuff Oreo cookies. And you know what my brothers and I do? We hammered the whole bag that night because we may never get some 
Oreo stuff cookies again, ever. Like, it'll be next year before we ever get these. We must eat all of them right now in this moment. Am I alone up here? Anyone like that? I mean, I feel like we do it all the time. Oh, man, here comes the Coke in the fridge. Hey, I'm going to drink all six of these right now. Watch. And then you're sick. Isn't it funny? The scarcity mindset begins to make you a little sick. It begins to make your stomach a little sick. And you begin to just wonder if you're going to have enough. And, and when you do have, you try to consume all you have or hold on to it very tightly. And for those who love to save and not spend like me, what you're doing with your bag is you're like hiding the cookies under your pillow. And you're not going to tell anyone. In fact, that's what Brandy does. When we get chocolate in the house, she hides it. And we're sitting in the living room, and here comes some chocolate. I'm like, where did you get that? I've been hiding it in my bag. That's where I got it. Now, the scarcity mindset, I'm making light of it, but it's very real. It's very real. In fact, one of Jesus' good friends had this mindset that I must fill the bag and keep everything in it. His name was Judas. And one of the girls, one of the women that Jesus ended up ministering to, broke a very expensive jar of perfume, this alabaster jar, over Jesus' feet in an act of worship, an act of obedience, an act of giving God everything. And you know who was mad? The guy with the bags. The guy with the bag was mad because, hey, that could be used for something else. Hey, I need to put it in the bag. Hey, I need to hold on to that. How dare you do something like that? Judas also traded in his best friend for a bag. A bag with 30 pieces of silver. You see, the bag mindset is this mindset that I'll never have enough, so I must hold on very tightly to what I have. And that man from the proverb becomes very poor. You see, see, when I'm talking about blessings, I'm not just talking about financial blessings, but I'm talking about spiritual blessings and emotional blessings and the blessings of the family and the blessings of your children and the blessings that are unattainable without giving yourself away. If you don't give, you will not receive. But it's no different whether you're a pastor paid by the church or you are in your seat working. It's the same mentality. What we fail to forget is that we're, that 10% is God's. And people with the basket mindset understand that. You see, the basket mindset says this. That I have more than enough. In Deuteronomy 28, 4 through 6. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. And the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in. And blessed when you go out. Blessed. Luke 6, 38 says this. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now check out this. Is that in, in the land of the harvest, in the land of the fields, a day laborer would go and he would grab his basket and he would fill it to about two-thirds full. And then he would take it and he would work all day like that. But he didn't want to overfill the basket because, you know, it would be too heavy. But at the end of the day, 
the owner of the land would let the poor come into the land and they could grab a basket and put as much as they wanted in there to carry out. So they would start filling it with wheat and they would press it down and they would shake it, shake it, shake it until there was no room left and it was overflowing. It was like Benson during the trunk or treat with candy. I mean, he would just keep filling up with candy. It was overflowing. Son, we're good. No more, Dad. More, right? Anybody had kids like that just would not stop. I mean, this is the blessing. This is the overflow. Keep pouring it in there. And that's what was happening. But this is the measure that God wants to give you. The poor people could bring their baskets and fill them up and they would be overflowing. You know, there's another little boy with a basket. Another little boy with a basket as Jesus was preaching. As he was preaching, he preached a lot longer than Pastor Ben. Thank goodness, right? Because those were probably good talks. And as he preached, and he was getting there, everybody was getting tired, it was getting late in the evening, and everybody was hungry. The disciples came up to him and said, hey, should we dismiss the crowd so that they can get something to eat? And Jesus said, you feed them. They found a little boy, and the little boy had a lunchbox. And in the lunchbox, there were five loaves and two fish. Jesus took that five loaves and two fish that the boy gave so generously to Jesus. And Jesus raised it to heaven and he blessed it. You see, whatever you give to God, God begins to bless and watch it multiply. Because not only did 5,000 men eat, but women and children ate as well. Some believe that it was over 15,000 people ate from five loaves and two fish. It seems impossible, doesn't it? Doesn't that seem like how could such a thing exist? But that's what God does. He miraculously increases. And as they gathered up all the pieces, the 12 disciples grabbed these baskets and they filled up 12 baskets. The boy gave one lunchbox, got 12 lunchboxes back. Not only that, I believe that Jesus was saying this to the 12 disciples. I'm going to provide for you and all your needs. They knew that when each of them was carrying a basket full, when there was only one basket to begin with. It doesn't make sense. And, and that's the thing about this walk and this Christian faith. And what we do is it seems impossible, unfathomable. It seems like this cannot really happen. But that's why we're here. And it's not a comfortable message to preach. You see, as we preach this message and we start talking about, hey, we want you to start growing beyond yourself and giving yourself away. It doesn't grow a church quickly, does it? I came right before Thanksgiving. He's talking about money. Why? Why did I come last Sunday? Church is always talking about money. It doesn't seem comfortable. It doesn't seem comfortable at all. But I believe wholeheartedly if you live this life, you're going to see Jesus bless you more than you could ever imagine. And perhaps you'll get more than a basket, but you'll get a barn. The barn mindset. It's infinitely more than enough. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. Deuteronomy 8.8. 8. 
We see this in Scripture as Joseph was sold into slavery. He started being faithful with the little. And as he was faithful with the little, he was entrusted with more. And then he was faithful with that and entrusted with more. And eventually, he filled up barns full of grain. Full of grain. They were overflowing. And during the land of famine, not only was Joseph able to provide for his household, he was able to provide for countries nearby. He was a blessing to other people because of his personal obedience. And that's what begins to happen is God will give you this. He, he will begin to maybe move you into a barn mentality so that you can start advancing the kingdom in greater ways in San Antonio. Greater ways around the world. I have a friend who has made it his mission to flip the tide. So, so he said 10% is good, but that's just a starting point. I'm going to live until I give 90% away, and I'm going to live on 10. There's been multiple times in his journey where there has been years where he's given 90% away and lived on 10. And he's always seen God provide. In a downturn oil economy in West Texas, he still has blessing and overflow. God is still providing for him, and he's not worried about tomorrow. You see, that's the bag mentality. So worried about tomorrow. But as you give, watch what happens. It releases you of worry. Giving releases you of anxiety as you begin to give yourself away. I'm thankful that next week we'll announce what Luminous Church has done with the Big Give, our, our one-year campaign to give, to provide for some needs in our church. But I want to tell you this, church, not only are you giving in that way, but Luminous Church has tried in every way to model this, and this year we'll give 20% of everything away. Everything away. We'll give over $40,000 away to missions, to church planning, to, to campus ministry. We'll give it away to the needy and the poor and social justice programs. We'll give it away. And I just want to, I want to encourage you that sometimes you're like, God, I, I just want to control where this money goes. Right? Where, I, I, want to, I want to tell God where that money goes. But I want to encourage you. Luminous in every way is modeling this. Because if we don't model it, then how can we expect you to live it? Brandy and I model this lifestyle of giving. And, and I, we don't have barns, but we do have baskets. And we've been giving, and there's been such an overflow. And God is being so glorified through it. Luke 16, 10 through 11. Who ever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Be faithful with a little. God will give you more. Be faithful with a little. God will give you more. For some of you, you have those marriages, those relationships, and it's unfruitful. You've been reaping and reaping and reaping what you've been sowing. But maybe just give God an opportunity. 
Maybe just start sowing in the blessing and the love and, and sowing yourself into that relationship. Watch what God will do. I really believe that you'll reap something so amazing that you'll look back on it with no regrets. In fact, this is how I want to live life. If I were to look in the mirror when I'm older, when I'm in my 80s and 90s, if, if God were to grace me to live that long, and I look in the mirror, I really, really hope that I would look in the mirror and I'd see a life with no regrets. I'd see a life that was not centered on building my own bag, but it was giving my life away so that the people would see Jesus clearly. I invite you, yeah, I invite you, Luminous, into that mission that you would live a life selflessly, giving yourself away so that people, your neighbors, this city would see Jesus clearly. And what do I mean by seeing Jesus clearly? That they would see the life that he lives. That when they look at you, all they can see is Jesus, his character, his integrity, his love, the way he gives, the way he prays, the way he lives his life. And my prayer is this. We all have different contexts, don't we? Some single, some married, some widowed, some divorced, some separated, some in college, some retired. We're all in different stages. And my prayer is that you would ask God, in your context, what is it that people would see Jesus clearly? In my context, in my workplace, the mission field that he's brought you to, how would they see Jesus? That's my prayer. It's why we exist. And I will hope to inspire you to that over and over again. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. But Luke 16 describes this as Jesus says this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. The big give one year ago, we talked about John 3.16. And that's what I want to close with this morning. Is in John 3.16, it says this. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He didn't just give his bag. He didn't just give his basket. And he didn't just give his barn. Jesus came as God's great gift. God's great gift, and it's why we are gathered here today. If you wonder why you're here today, because God gave his great gift, Jesus, his only and his best for you, so that you may have life. Life doesn't start when you start holding on to it. 
life truly starts when you lose it and you give it away. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will truly find it. Maybe you came in this morning and you're wondering, hey, I feel a little lifeless. I feel like what you've been talking about is I've been the bag holder. I keep putting things in there and it keeps going out. I keep putting things in there and it keeps going out. If you really want to start a life of generosity, I would encourage you the best place to start and really the first place to start, surrender your life to Jesus. If you would, stand with me this morning. So you wake up your neighbor who came to first service as well. I hope and my prayer as you are shutting your Bibles in your chairs. My hope and my prayer is that how great it is for a blessed life. How great it is to give a tithe to your church. How great it is to give and be a blessing to others. How great it is. There's so much, something so much greater. I need to give you an opportunity to respond something so much greater. If you would, close your eyes with me and bow your heads. And with no one looking around, I want to ask you a question. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never repented of your sins, repented of basically everything that you've done on your own without God that's really somewhat offensive towards him. If that is you and you've never done that, but you're realizing you're hitting a wall and there you're incomplete and there's a void. You want Jesus to come into your life to make you new. You want to put your trust in him, your faith in him. Say, I want to quit going my way. I want to go his way. If you've never done that, no one looking around. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you if that's something you want. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Well, church, if you would pray this prayer with me. If everyone would pray this prayer. Father God, forgive me for my offense towards you. Thank you for the greatest gift, Jesus, who makes all things new. Jesus, come in my life. Make me new today, not tomorrow, today. November 20th is a new birthday. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's give God a big hand for those who came to know Jesus. It says all the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents and gives his life to Jesus. And so we rejoice with you this morning. My encouragement to you is that you would have an incredible, incredible Thanksgiving with your family. And that you would be blessed this week going out. If you need prayer for anything or you want a longer conversation about what you just asked God to do, then come get prayer right up here. We love you. Be blessed, Luminous Church. Thank you so much.